It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is the Pac-12 done for, and should the University of Utah make the leap and join BYU in the Big 12? JT Wisterso from Locked On Utes joins me to talk about just that, right here on a crossover edition of Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is JC Wisterso, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be diving into is back the Pac-12 or the Big 12? If they're a better option for Utah, diving into all the pros and cons of each scenario. And in order to help me do that, I want to bring on a former host of this show and a Big 12 member now in Jake Hatch, the host of Locked On Cougars. And Jake, I think when you're talking about Big, the Big 12 too, and what it represents for Utah. I think there's a lot of pros for really both sides that you could be like, oh, it makes a lot of sense for them wanting to go over to and join the Big 12. And also, there's a lot of things that makes it sense for them staying in the pack too. Obviously, the whole media rights thing makes this a really murky conversation. But I mean, it's definitely worth having because I can, I wouldn't, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if Utah ends up in the Big 12. Well, and that's the thing about this, JT, is uh, first off, it's good to be back on Locked On Utes. We're doing a little bit of a crossover. I'm actually going to use this also on Locked On Cougars. So heads up to all Cougar fans out there. Don't freak out. The introduction said Locked On Utes. It's still plenty of BYU content here. But going back to your point, JT, there is a lot of positives both ways for Utah here. Obviously, BYU and uh, Cougar fans are ecstatic to be members of the Big 12. Uh, but with regards to Utah, the longer this drags on, this media rights uh just debacle it feels like at this point yeah longer it drags on the more and more uh you're going to hear of discontent in the conference people speaking out that 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 that, that type of stuff's going to continue to go until george kleofkoff finally gets a press release out saying that the pac 10 or pac 12 whatever they're going to call themselves Mm -hmm. has narrowed in we've got our new media rights deal done but until that press release comes out expect more of the same yeah, it definitely feels like it's a, that's how it's going to be for the time being. So diving into it, I'm going to argue on the case of the Pac-12 for why Utah should stay in the Pac-12. You'll be arguing on why Utah should leave and join the Big 12. I think the first point I got to make, Jake, is just the simple old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Utah is enjoying a ton of success inside the Pac-12 right now. Back-to-back Pac-12 championships with USC and UCLA leaving as much as it I'm a little bummed because that's just a lot of high profile games, fun matchups. It does make it easier for them to continue to win and continue to have that success in conference. It is not easy when you are going over and changing conferences. It takes some time when you've been in the same conference for a while, you get used to coaches tendencies. You've played against some of the same players for the same year. It's just, there's a lot of change and it is not an easy transition. Us. It's not like us. Look, USC is going to be fine. Like their first year in the big time. I'm sure they'll be okay, but like, I don't expect them at all to be competing with Ohio state and Michigan's and obviously Texas and Oklahoma. It's going to, take a while for them to get up to sec speed so i really feel like for utah especially short term their best chance to continue to win is by staying put in the pac-12 uh i will counter that by saying well if you can if you can dominate in the pac-12 why can't you come in and dominate in the big 12 jt that speaking of utah that's the thing about this is uh there are so many utah fans out there that are so self-assured of utah's dominance if they were in hypothetically to jump into the big 12 why not do it why not be a uh, part of this and i here's the thing 
I'm I, I agree with you that your dominance in the run you've had in the Pac-12, it's very hard to leave that behind. But uh, kind of my opening point: the longer this drags on, the more you got to kind of have those wandering eyes and wondering, okay, what else might be out there for us? And that's that's why I think the Big 12. Yeah, if you've had that type of success in the in the Pac-12, I think you could translate that to the Big 12, especially the kind of the way that Utah's built themselves up recruiting wise with the staff they've got under Kyle Whittingham. I, I really feel like it would be actually a pretty easy move for Utah to make if they were to decide to jump. It's true. I do think it would, they would get up quicker to speed than it wouldn't. I don't think it would take them three years to be, I mean, or I think maybe I'd say around two to three years. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's really hard in your first year to go in right away. So I almost feel like you might be taking a step back for a year and I'll ask you this, Jake, how do you feel like BYU's chances to compete their first year in the big 12? Uh, first year, I, I've said this before on Lockdown Cougars that I, I'm pegging a success at six and six right now. You make mm-hmm. it to bowl eligibility your first year as a Power yeah. Five member. I think that's a pretty good season, all things considered. Anything beyond that, it's gravy or icing or uh, cherry on top, whatever uh, adage you want to use there, because that would just be fun to see. I just think if they can get to six and six, make themselves bowl eligible, be somewhat of a factor in the Big Twelve race. Because the the thing is with this Big Twelve, outside of Texas and Oklahoma, and even Oklahoma is kind of a middling program right now. Mm-hmm. There's no real dominant team going into 2023. So even if you are six and six, speaking of BYU, you could still be a factor and maybe have an upset along the way that knocks somebody down a peg where they were hoping to compete for a Big 12 title. So I think six and six is, is where things stand. And the hope is that BYU can kind of uh, leapfrog from there and start to build something pretty quickly in the Big 12. Definitely feels like they're starting to get the right pieces in place to be able to do that. And sometimes it just takes time. We we know how long it took Utah to get up to the point they are now after they had first gone over and joined the Pac-12. And he said, it's definitely not an easy process. Was that your first point, by the way, just that, hey, because there's not a dominant force right now in the Big 12, that that's where it works out well for Utah? Yeah, and, and here's the thing about this. There's no dominant force, and Utah's got back-to-back Pac-12 titles in their back pocket. They've made four Pac-12 title appearances in the last five years. Uh, if you want to count the 2020 season, a lot of people just mm-hmm. want to toss that one to the side. But regardless, you have been an absolutely dominant program, and I'll just say this right now. If Utah were to, let's say, everything's equal. They make the jump over the Big 12 right away. They're up to speed on all their opponents, that type of stuff. I'm of the opinion that Utah would be among the top three in terms of the preseason uh, picks for the Big 12 this coming year. I really think that Mm -hmm. they're that established of a program. So, yeah, that's kind of my point is like if if you the dominance you've had with the Pac-12, it should, in theory, translate pretty quickly over to the Big 12. Yeah, the loss to Penn State obviously hurt Utah's end-of-season rankings, but just going off a record, they would have been one of the better teams in the Big 12 this most recent year had had they been in the conference. Like I said, I just think my whole thing is I just think it's really hard to change and learn the new opponents and everything that goes on. And, look, I thought the whole humidity thing in Florida might have been a little bit blown out of proportion, but I do think some of those September – games in texas would be a little hard on some of these utah players too and look it'd be i think utah's home winning streak could very well continue i just i wouldn't be surprised to see them lose two or three matchups on the road just for seeing so drastically different styles the you know something crazy goes down in lubbock basically if utah heads out there that's just the it's the kind of thing i could see happening but it it would it would be really interesting to see in that first year because I think we both have a lot of respect for Kyle Whittingham and the program he's built. You made a great job talking about on um, the assistance. And the one thing, too, with Utah is 
they have done a very good job still recruiting in Texas. They get they've done in general, Florida, Texas, California, they've been able to strengthen all those locations. A move to the Big 12 would definitely enhance them a little bit there. And I guess that could be another pro for I guess going to the Big 12 if that was something you had on your list potentially, the Texas recruiting. But I mean, if you're Utah too, you could also be giving up some of the California stuff. How do you kind of view the recruiting for Utah in that aspect? Well, and that's the thing about this. You obviously are going to recruit where you play. And Utah's been in the Pac-12, and they've been recruiting on the West Coast out to Hawaii. And they've also, but they also cast their wet net nationwide. If I'm not mistaken, JT Broughton is from Oklahoma. Cole mm-hmm. Bishop is from Georgia. You've got multiple guys from Texas. And that's the thing about this is Utah's starting to cast a net more nationwide. And that's the same thing BYU is aspiring to do. They already kind of do it with their church affiliation uh, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So they already kind of cast that net just with church members nationwide. That's the thing about this is it would give Utah more of a nationwide reach. You're playing potentially at UCF, at West Virginia, in Cincinnati. You're playing in Stillwater against Oklahoma. You're headed to Houston. You are literally playing a nationwide uh, schedule, which is going to get you in front of recruits. They obviously can tune in and watch you on TV, but having to travel to the West Coast to see you plays a little different versus maybe on a every two, three year basis, potentially going to Florida and playing in Orlando when you play UCF down there that type of a deal that's very very true and it's going to be interesting to see for utah if they that is appealing to them at all because as we said we just don't know what the media right situation so it's going to be fascinating to see how it all breaks down we're going to come back in a moment and talk about a couple of the other pros and cons of utah wanting to stay leaving the pac-12 or go over and join the big 12 in a moment but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at fanduel sportsbook the midpoint of the nba season is here and now is the perfect time to download fanduel america's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the fanduel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bound everything from the money line the point scores to threes drained this is when the nba season really gets tight so make sure you guys head over to fanduel and look at all the their fun options. They even have exclusive bets like a two times three, which is two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Also, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch, branch in Vineyard to celebrate. UCCU is giving away 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times for UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection, so celebrate the new Vineyard UCCU branch enter to win a 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times for UCCU. TV. Winners will be announced in April just in time for summer fun. Stop by UCC's new branch in Vineyard, conveniently located next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. You don't even have to be a member to enter at UCCU, and there is no purchase necessary. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, Jake, I think my next point, and it goes along with my other one a little bit, just because I still think it would take a year or two. I think the craziness of the Big 12 also kind of plays into this. I just feel like the Big 12 is the kind of league where like you can lose three games any given season. And yes, Utah just did that in the Pac-12 too. But I just feel like with this position that Utah is in to continue to recruiting and all those things, it's far more likely for Utah to suffer less than two losses staying in the Pac than it is the Big 12. So what does that set you up for? College football playoff success, whether that is short-term in the next year where Utah, look, their schedule is loaded. So, I mean, <laughs> including a Big 12 opponent in Baylor. So if Utah does only have one loss and uh, becomes Pac-12 champs, 
they will be in the college football playoff with that kind of a schedule. Now doing so is going to be very challenging, but I just think it's easier to do that than let's say, and look, maybe when the playoff expands, it doesn't really matter. Big 12, Pac-12, you can have three losses, I would imagine, still and be able to get into the new look playoff, especially if you win your conference championship like Utah was just able to do. But I still feel like the safest bet if you're trying to make the college football playoff is staying with what you know. Well, okay, and I, that's actually—I'm actually—I'm glad our points are kind of lining up here because I was going to talk about the playoff access mm-hmm. here. Now, I, I agree, especially when it comes to the expanded playoff field, which is going to drop. Uh, it, it's going to be coming out in two years. We're going to have the twelve teams, and conference champions will get that automatic berth. My my point for Utah in terms of the access via the Big Twelve is that most people out there like to denigrate what the Big Twelve is going to be. They say that they're the the eight with the four newcomers, the four G fives they're adding BYU in that mix with the four that are coming in. There is no true blue blood in that bunch. Speaking of this new look Big Twelve after next year when Texas and Oklahoma exit, so in that theory, Utah could come in and in my mind compete faster for a expanded playoff field berth in the big 12 because there's not a Oregon there's not a Washington there's mm-hmm. a Stanford back in the day was pretty darn good they've really fallen off now but there's none of those tr- true uh, power players at least on paper right now in the mm-hmm. big 12 the big 12 is going to go out and kind of establish establish itself uh, on the national scene with this new look conference and that is why I think if Utah truly wants to make playoff access yeah the the revamped Pac-12 does have a better avenue because you have you lose USC there but in many ways the big 12 even offers a, a like almost a faster way to the expanded playoff you're right oregon washington they're not really going anywhere right now we expect them to stay top 15 programs i mean i don't know about you jake but just speaking to the big 12 like i think a lot of people might be listening and go well tcu just made the national championship game like i wouldn't be surprised if tcu lost four games next to you like i mean just with how close they were they flirted with danger all season long we obviously know it ended max duggan's not even coming back so i the didn't think they're right by the way the vast majority of their Guys, their stars this past year have all moved on. That's the thing. Yeah. TCU, they, they they captured lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Do they have staying power? I don't think they do. I'm with you. I think they can mm-hmm. sink back to eight and four, seven and five potentially this next year. They just happen to to strike it rich when they needed to the most. And that congratulations to them. That's a fantastic thing that they did. But I, there's there doesn't feel like there's staying power there. And that that's the thing about this mm-hmm. with the Big Twelve. And it's the hope that BYU can uh, kind of get on a run early on here with this new look Big Twelve and build something because there's no true it feels like power uh program in that conference mm-hmm. and if you can start to build on some success and consistently build your program like what kyle whittingham and utah have done in the pac-12 there's no reason to see that success continues that 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 is kind of the reason why i would say hey utah i know you want to make the playoff but the big 12 may offer you that that better access it's a very good point. I think the last thing I'll say too, uh, just on this, because we both talked about the powers leaving now with USC yeah. and UCLA from the pack, the Big 12 leaving Texas and Oklahoma. The one thing I think we'll both miss is just being able to beat those teams even when they're not good. And then at the end of the year, it doesn't matter how bad they are. I was just like, oh, they beat Texas. They beat Oklahoma. It's like, yeah, they suck this year. But like, no, just saying you beat them. That's how much power and cachet that name basically awesome. carries. So I think it's something definitely both sides are going to end up missing in that. But uh, Jake, for my last point on why for Utah, I still think it's best for them to stay in the Pac-12 is as weird as this sounds, I just feel like we're heading for two super conferences in the future. That's just where my heart of heart thinks things are going to end up at. So I just feel like it's strange to leave a conference to go join the big 12 for four years. And then after that, go jump ship and try to join a super conference. And especially if you're trying to join a super conference, as I've kind of talked about a little bit here now, I just don't know if I find it far more likely that Utah would win 
the next two of three Pac-12 championships by staying in the Pac-12 than I would by going to the Big 12, just because, what, like we said, that league is such a crapshoot sometimes, the way teams can rise up and beat each other. And the Pac-12 can be like that, but just the success and the level that Utah's at going to the Big 12, in a lot of ways, you are still starting fresh and starting new. So I really think that if, and the best way to get into one of those super conferences is to continue to win conference championships or just flat out continue to win games. I guess in the end, winning drives everything in college sports, right? So as long as you're winning, that's going to be the big thing. And I guess it just goes back to my first point of I feel like their best chance to make it into the future of college football is to continue to win because I do feel like we're going to be in two super conferences. And I, don't, I just don't, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to commit to go somewhere. I don't feel personally, I wouldn't like going to the, the Big 12 and be like, yes, we're here. I know a lot of commissioners and that, like, look, the Big 12, the Pac 12, uh, the Big 10, they all made that agreement last year, right? And and then the Big 10 just stabbed the Pac 12 in the back and ended up taking a couple of schools. Like, I don't feel right doing that kind of stuff. So I would rather just wait it out for the Pac because. As I said, I feel like we're heading for super conferences, Jake. Okay. And while I agree with you that I think the SEC and the Big Ten have kind of established themselves as the true uh, power two, I guess, in a way, uh, with the future of college football, I I get your point. But let me give you two things as to why, if you want that to be a reality where you want to make it, come join the Big 12 and help make the Big 12 the third. Make make them the third power behind Mm -hmm. these conferences. The other thing about this is, come on, Utah fans. You know BYU, just that that rivalry. Come on, come on. You know you want to. You know you want to. Come on I was now. For you to bring it up. <laughs> I, I, I was holding on to this one for, the, for save the best for last. Come on, we got to have this rivalry back together. Have it back on Thanksgiving weekend. These fan bases, they are so intertwined. No matter how long they've been apart, because they they have not been members of the same conference for 13 years, folks. Yeah. But guess what? Guess what continues to bubble up every single day on my radio show on the KSL Sports Zone? BYU fans ripping Utah fans, and Utah fans conversely ripping BYU fans on any 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 type of thing that they can happen to feel like they have a little bit of a slight slight edge on. This would be phenomenal for the Big 12 to have that had that rivalry it might be the preeminent rivalry honestly in this big 12 and utah brings a cachet with them that i think would help establish the big 12 as maybe the preeminent i guess third conference behind the sec and the big 12 and at that point by the way if they do decide to expand guess what they're going to do they're going to go and pick off obviously the the big programs the better programs in these conferences if byu and utah can assert themselves atop the big 12 why not why couldn't they go together potentially into whatever the next power conference is Dang it, Jake. That's a great point. <laughs> I'm just saying I got for that because you know, you know that BYU and Utah fans love to get after each other. Why not just get back together and have some fun? Well, it's, it's so true. It's the number one reason that appealing to the uh, joining the Big 12 appeals to me personally. I'm a traditionalist, but sure. I've talked about this with Dante earlier in the week, right? We're like, we're past that at this point. You have to do what's best. It's every man for every program for themselves at this point. Ever since all the USC, all those schools did what they did. This is what you have to do. And let me add one other thing. Mm-hmm. Brett Yormark, the early returns on him is he is a cold-blooded killer. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. This is a dude who is going to do everything, and I mean everything yeah. within his power, to establish the Big 12 as a power player on the national scene in college football. Why wouldn't you want him advocating for you if you're a mm-hmm. Utah fan? I, I, I think in anybody, any Utah fan, heart of hearts, they can understand that this dude, he swooped in and scooped up the spot that the Pac-12 thought was theirs with the media rights. He yeah. swooped in, picked that up, not to uh, the Pac-12 back, I feel like two or three steps, and now they're trying to pick up the pieces along the way. He has proven that he is going to be assertive. He's going to work the system as much as he possibly can. And the thing about it is he's got this just kind of this air of, uh, I don't know, uh, confidence about him that to me, if I – 
BYU fans are all about it. Why not? Why why wouldn't Utah fans want a guy like that advocating for them? That's true. Your mark, your or excuse me, is it Brett? Your maker is that how you say? Your mark. Your your mark. your mark. Thank you. Yes, your mark. Which if we do end up joining that the Big Twelve, I'm gonna have to be. I get that right, but um, yeah. I mean, Commissioner Klyakov, it's been it's been rough right now. I mean, the media rights deal, everything. People, I mean, when you get reports of Ion as the potential, it's like that's <laughs> that's the position we're in right now, Jake. Because it's like I have to bring up, are we gonna be on Ion? It's like he's just following with NCIS episode reruns coming on after us. Hey, just, I love me some. I love me some Hawaii Five O, man. Come yeah, on, they, they can they can feature Utah and Washington, and then immediately afterwards, hey, stay tuned for our Hawaii Five O season five recap. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's true. That part of that part of it is abs- is absolutely appealing. I will give you that. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say, just on the rivalry aspect of it, Jake, I think so many people outside of Utah don't understand what a good rivalry this is between BYU and Utah. And part of the reason is not only just that they don't play every year, but they play so early in the season. I feel like if it was in rivalry week when everyone plays, I think it would get a lot more respect because I, and I can't think of another Big 12 rivalry off the top of my head that would rival it when it comes in because obviously Texas and Oklahoma are heading over the SEC. Yeah, honestly, the only one that comes to mind because it's just it's a traditional rivalry that's not been broken up by conference realignment is the Sunflower State, is the Kansas versus Kansas State deal. But yep. that pales, and it pales mm-hmm. in major comparison to what BYU and Utah bring to the table. The thing about this is there are national college football writers, pundits, media talking heads, et cetera, who will tell you that the BYU-Utah rivalry is severely underrated on the national scene. They, they know they know, they know mm-hmm. about it. They, they see the BYU-Utah yep. fans in their mentions when they have happen to get involved in any way shape or form with this they know the passion they know the hatred that these two fan bases have for each other why not get back together and let me add this pk has been uh, saying all week on our radio show that he is hearing from people that byu would be essentially an advocate or would not stand in the way of utah joining the big 12 i've been digging around on that talking with some people as well what i've been told is byu would not oppose it in any way shape or form they they understand what this would bring uh, to the big 12 and it obviously it would mean another partner for byu out here on the western side of the country with the late night tv windows that the big 12 wants to establish and just the fact yes Thanksgiving weekend, once again, could be uh, having that rivalry game, whether it's at Rice-Eccles Stadium or at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, having those two fan bases celebrating their rivalry the way it was meant to be. It would truly be special. And I think that's, once again, that's the biggest thing for me as a Utah fan that appeals to them going over and joining the Big 12 is continuing that rivalry because I miss it. I like it. I like being able to play it every year. It's just fun. And it's going to continue regardless, even if these two end up in the Big 12 versus Pac-12. The other thing about this is when they do play that game, you can expect it to be on a a bigger stage even than Mm -hmm. it already is. It might be on an ABC. It might be on a bigger channel, a bigger network than it ever has been because it is now going to be, for at least for the time being, the way it looks. It's an intersection of the Big 12 versus the Pac-12. And with all of the kind of headbutting that's going on between these two conferences, as soon as these two teams square off once again, you can guarantee TV networks are going to be salivating of the chance to have those storylines on their network. I know I'll be salivating to watch it too, if that is the case, and it does right. all come we all, together. We all will, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be fun to see how it all comes together. Another thing that's going to be really fun to check out this weekend is the NFL Combine. we got some Utes and Cougars competing in that. We're going to talk about them in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. I'm still trying to stick with my New Year's resolutions from the holidays, and if you are like me and you want to eat healthy but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've just got the thing, got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually 
actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for trying to keep up with or to lose some pounds. What makes Bilt Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, as Jake is campaigning right now, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while made maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is they're healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to just head to built.com you can get them from your local smith's or sam's club that's right head to your nearest smith's or sam's club and grab yourself a box of built bars today so make sure you guys head over to built.com smith's or sam's club to get in on those great offers from our friends at built bar today Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Jake, the NFL Combine is here. I, I, I'm, I'm someone I personally still love the Combine. I still think it's fun to get up and see what everyone does in the 40s. I don't put the most draft stock into it personally. It's, I mean, I still go with film. I don't want, I don't want to take a shot at Washington, but like I just remember what John Ross did at the Combine. Everyone lost their mind. Um, that was, I don't even remember when that was, but like he's been out of the league for like a couple of years now, and he was a top 10 pick. So it's important to keep that stuff in mind. But We've also seen some guys do some special things. And then like, I mean, like a Jordan Davis, I remember how fast he ran at the combine. That's where it's just like amazing to see guys go that fast, see what these dudes can put up on the bench. And uh, it's unfortunate we don't get Dalton Kincaid testing in some of this stuff this weekend, but my gosh, I don't know if there's a Utah BYU player that's seen their stock kind of rise since the season ended when guys like Daniel Jeremiah, um, a couple of the PFF guys too, are just raving about Dalton Kincaid and look, he's not going to participate because of the covering from the season ending injury, but I mean, it felt like he was going to be a second rounder before all this stuff started. And now if, if I set the over under for him to get drafted at 25 and a half, would you take the over and the under at this point? Uh, over being higher than that or lower than that? Sorry. Higher, like higher. Oh, higher. Yeah. 25 and a half. I would say lower just barely, though. I think he's mm -hmm. that, that kind of that final 10 picks of the first round. Almost consistently, I'm seeing every mock draft that I see. He is getting all kinds of hype. We had Cam Meller from the Pro Football Network on with DJ and PK earlier this week. He thinks that uh, there is a chance that you see Kincaid end up, as, as he says, tight end one, the first tight end taken off the board. He says Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, and uh, and Kincaid here in terms of the top three tight ends in this draft. You're right. He has been an absolutely meteoric rise for Dalton Kincaid, but it's phenomenal to see what he's done. This is a kid who has got all kinds of talent. I know that BYU fans, I have watched him up close over the years as well. You cannot deny how good this kid is. Absolutely. He's lights out spectacular, whatever adjective you want to use. We've raved about a bunch of the show. I think by the most fired up I've ever gotten on the show was when he wasn't a Mackey award finalist too. That was, well, that was yeah, incredible. That that was absurd. And yeah. obviously that, that part of played with the Brant Keithy situation, everything. But mm -hmm. by the way, if this guy's a first round draft pick, how good is Brant Keithy going to be? That's, that's, <laughs> that, that's the question now. <laughs> will be a lot of fun to see when Brant, hopefully Brant can come back and have another uh, dominant year. Uh, Jake Dalton isn't going to run. If he were to run, what do you think his 40 would have been? I would say probably in that four, six to four, seven range. Yeah, I, four, I, seven. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's the thing about this. Dalton Kincaid doesn't necessarily need to run uh, to prove anything. He doesn't need to do his vertical. He doesn't need to three cone drill. He obviously, they, uh, Mike Garofalo uh, reporting it's a back fracture was what he's been out with. And obviously you want to make sure that's fully healed up. He'll have, of course, medical teams combing through that, checking him out to make sure everything's on track with that. You mentioned the fact that film is what uh, should dominate. All you got to do is turn on those USC games and yeah. watch him play. This is the second one. He had that fracture. He suffered that fracture against Colorado. Mm-hmm. And he played through it in that USC game. He, this is a kid who is a pure, pure pass catcher. Uh, I'm telling you, he is kind of the next crop of the George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, those type mm-hmm. of guys. You want to go like even further? He's he, okay. The guy he reminds me of is a guy like Tony Gonzalez. You remember Tony Gonzalez playing for both the Falcons and the Chiefs? Just this pure pass catching, big body man. I love Kincaid. Yeah, exceptional route runner, great hands, adjust the ball phenomenally. I I love that comparison, Jake. That is, I I couldn't agree with you more there. I think that would be awesome. And either way, Dalton's stock going to continue to rise because he's still meeting with teams at the combine. One guy who's going to start and try to solidify his status as a first round pick is Clark Phillips the third. So for Clark, I'm thinking for 44-45 is where I'm feeling for Clark right now. Maybe it's a little fast, but we'll see. I think the one I'm really interested in is his vertical jump. I, I've played basketball with Clark before, before, and oh my gosh, that dude can leap. So I think he's got a chance to even get something like 36. I know he's not the biggest guy, but man, I, I just, he can get up. Well, and that's the thing about this with Clark, for example, I w- I filled in on Unrivaled on the KSL Sports Zone earlier this week. And Scott Mitchell, who's a former NFL quarterback, we were talking about this very thing with Clark Phillips. He plays bigger than he is. They list him at yes. five foot ten. If he makes it to five foot ten in these, in these measure measurements with the combine, I will be absolutely floored. Yeah. But he plays bigger than that. I think about this. But mm-hmm. the one thing that Scott came up with, and I agree with, his size is almost going to relegate him to playing the slot in the NFL. The problem is, as Scott mentioned, Clark has always played on the outside as a cornerback. Is a team going to be willing to bet on him succeeding at the NFL level at, at a little bit of a diminutive size compared to other corners of his ilk out there? Uh, are they willing to bet on that, or are they going to tell him, "Hey, we love you, but you got to play in that slot position"? And that that'll a lot of that the conversation about that may determine where he ultimately lands. Yeah, you make a great point, too, because I love Clark Phillips. But, man, when you go against – there's not a current guy that's Julio Jones right now with the way he's kind of falling off a little bit, obviously, because of the injuries. But, man, when you get some of those bigger receivers or covering right. a tight end there, that's where it would be really tough for him with their ability to high point the ball. Yeah, well, okay, DK Metcalf from the, yeah. from the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> like, Clark Phillips, I love Clark. The mm-hmm. DK Metcalf would overwhelm him, it feels absolutely. like. Absolutely. That, that's, that's the situation that you he's, he's going to be stepping into. You're right. He can absolutely leap, and that's why he plays bigger than he is because he's able to jump out of the gym, uh, so to say, and that that's the thing that's going to help him. But it just feels like I think he's going to get knocked down probably to the second round just simply due to the fact that he's not a six-foot-one corner. Very well could, and especially if he doesn't test as well as – he hopes to. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Last two Utah guys we'll hit on quick is uh, Braden Daniels. I think for the 40, looking at 5'4", maybe 5'5", five, five, somewhere in there. Not a bl- not a blur guy in terms of speed. Bench, I think he's definitely getting over 30 on the bench. The be- I've always I've always loved the bench at the combine. I just think it's so much fun to see. There was a couple of years ago we had a Weaver guy throw up yeah. like 40-something on the bench. You remember that? Tua Opeta, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And he's actually, he just, he was in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. So he's still oh, wow. sticking around. So he, so yeah, Sue is, he's a, have a, play, a heck of a player, kid from Stansbury High School of all places. Oh, yeah. Hey, shout out to some of the high school coverage we both did then there too. Uh, and the last Utah guy I'll hit on quickly is Tavion Thomas. With Tavion, I'm feeling four, six, maybe even higher for running. I just, I don't know where the speed's at. I do think his broad jump will be okay. Feeling something like 10, four, maybe in that range. And, uh, 
The last guy I'll say really quick, Jake, that I wish we were talking about is Mahmoud Diabate for Utah. He did not yeah. get an invite. He would have, he's a traits guy. Like he would have killed it at the combine, I think. And he'll kill it at Utah's pro day in a couple months. Well, see, okay. And so we're going to talk about BYU's guys here in just a minute. Quick, mm -hmm. uh, quick thought on the Tavion Thomas situation. Uh, here's the thing with the combine. Most, most people know this. If you don't, the reason you're invited to the combine is that there are more than at least one team believes you have a draftable grade on you. They, mm -hmm. they, they think you are capable of being drafted. They do invite more guys than will actually be drafted to the combine, but you have what they call a draftable grade on you. So yep. there are teams intrigued by what Tavian Thomas showed uh, during his uh, junior season, I guess we would call it, in mm -hmm. 2021, more so than what happened this past year. There were obviously all kinds of issues, some injury, some personal uh, matter-related type stuff this past year. He's going to have to obviously navigate all that in his conversations with these NFL personnel, scouts, executives, whatever it is. But he, when he when his head is on straight, he's got mm -hmm. the capability of being a contributing running back at, at the NFL level. The, the, the question will be, obviously, can he keep his head on straight for any longer than one year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he is capable of that, but he's got a good opportunity to test well at the combine. And you make a great point too. talk about everyone that gets invited doesn't get drafted. Nephi Sewell last year for Utah participated in the combine and I'm going undrafted currently on the Saints practice squad last time I checked, but Either way, it's not just Utah guys with a chance. Jake, who are some of the BYU guys you're looking at this coming weekend? Yeah, so BYU is sending three guys to the combine. Jaron Hall, their star quarterback, he he's there. Uh, if you want a 40 time, if I were to say, I actually think he runs like a 4-6. Uh, I think mm -hmm. maybe into the 4-5 range. Jaron has got mm -hmm. absolute ability to be a game breaker with his feet. The bigger thing from him is that he's still recovering from a high ankle sprain that knocked mm -hmm. him out. Of He got injured against Stanford in the regular season finale, missed the bowl game against uh, SMU down there in New Mexico. He is still not 100% per his father, Kalen Hall. So, uh, uh, I'm just wondering if he does run it, if he ultimately gets that four, five, or four, six range. With a high ankle sprain, I doubt that, but I think he's got that type of speed. Uh, the other thing about this is the speed's gonna be very critical for Puka Nakua. Puka went to the senior bowl earlier this month with a lot of people thinking he wasn't gonna go, wasn't gonna be drafted. He showed up the first day of the senior bowl and just absolutely lit the senior bowl on fire. Everybody was like, Puka Nakua, BYU, Puka Nakua, BYU. This guy's absolutely incredible. He didn't practice the rest of the week. I don't know why he didn't, but he sat out the rest of the week in terms of drills, et cetera. But if he's able to run fast enough, and I would say somewhere in that, like I said, that four, six range for him, he is going to find himself being drafted by an NFL team, probably in the early part of day three, around four or five in my mind. It's kind of the same place I have Jaron Hall currently yeah. pegged. But if you want a combine superstar, a guy who is going to go out there and in my mind, tear it up with regards to drills, it's the third guy I have not mentioned yet, Blake Freeland. Uh, JT, I don't know. Did you call a game with me when we had when he was in high school? Maybe not, but he no. is a guy that never played offensive line before he got to BYU. He played quarterback. He played punter. He played defensive mm -hmm. end. He played every other position besides offensive line. Shows up at BYU now. Four years later, has turned into an absolutely stellar left tackle prospect. He is going to make combine people absolutely go wild. His broad jump, he could jump 10 feet. I don't know what it's going to be. It's insane. There is actually a metric out there that the they actually go each year. They look for the guys who threw shot put in high school and who the best uh, shot put throwers were. It usually translate to them being actually one of the better players in that draft. Guess who the top shot put thrower in the draft this year is? I'd say the guy we're talking about. <laughs> Blake Freeland threw it 64 feet. It's almost, it was actually a couple wow. Short of a oh state record God. in high school. He's an all state basketball player in high school. This is a guy who is the son of two dual athletes at BYU. He is going to make NFL combine heads like you and I, because I love the combine. I just love mm -hmm. the fact that we're watching 
dudes run around, run drills, and that type of, I just I gobble it up. Yeah. He's going to make people that watch the combine just lose their mind because he's going to run well. He's going to lift well. He's going to show off his his agility, his speed, the pass drills. He is going to be a combine superstar, and that may push him as high as the second round, depending on how it goes this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all plays out. Great opportunity for all these guys to raise their stocks. And I think, Jake, the last thing I'll close on is you just talk about those shot put stuff. That doesn't surprise me at all. I threw shot in Texas, and actually I made it pretty – like I did okay at that. I was like, okay, I'm doing great. And then I got to a point where I swear it was me, maybe a couple other guys similar my size, and then all Division One football players like <laughs> over there. It was all there was. I remember I threw in like the first round, and I'm like, man, all the big guys haven't gone yet. And then sure enough, boom, 50-something, 50, 50, 50. Like what? But, once again, I want to emphasize this 64 is incredible for shot. Yeah. That is wow. And the reason why people like it, because it, it requires footwork, mm -hmm. uh, lower power, uh, the drive to use your lower body to get the, to get in the position. And then obviously just the athleticism to be able to heave that thing as far as you can. That's why people absolutely eat that stat up. It's crazy to think about, but he is the top shot put thrower in this draft. And it, that typically is translated over to, I think I said something like a starting caliber offensive lineman, just because of that combination of skill. It's one of the biggest commodities people are trying to find right now is starting offensive linemen with how many elite pass rushers we have in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how the draft does shake out, Jake. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Braden Daniels and uh, Clark Barrington, I think Bolton, not Clark Barrington, uh, uh, Blake Freeland, I think Clark Barrington, another offensive lineman. But uh, him and Freeland, both Braden Daniels and Freeland, I think both of them end up as starting caliber tackles in the NFL. And at least I give them a couple of years at the, at the most, I think both of them are starting within the relatively near future in the NFL. I definitely agree. I think Braden's going to end up as guard personally. I just feel like that's where I'll end up setting one now. Either way, old lineman. Side, but he's starting now. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely a starter for sure. And either way, it's great for both Utah and BYU amidst all the craziness that is conference realignment that they're putting this many guys out into the combine. And it's going to be fun to see how the whole draft process plays out with them. And it's going to be interesting to see how the whole thing shakes out for Utah if they end up in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. But Jake, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate all of you for listening to Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. March is where things really start to heat up. They have great experts, interviews, and analysis on there lots of coaches players stopping by to chop it up with the guys so make sure you guys head over and check out locked on college basketball available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts jake great joining you man always thanks for having me jt let's do it again soon we definitely will and thank you guys again for listening to locked on Utes and locked on cougars the ncaa tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.